Children's Church can go ahead and be dismissed. Got a little insert in your bulletin. It's a trifold. Ooh, serious stuff, huh? I'm going to pull that out. There's a spot for you to take some notes on there if you want to, but that's kind of going to be where we're uh, headed today. Hey, this all works out really good sometimes. Uh, That movie that we saw, I'm just really going to follow up on that. So we're just getting a good old-fashioned Bible gospel salvation story today. So, uh, but that's what the basics are. Um, And that's sometimes where we we need to go. A little bit of conviction on my part, I'll confess it to you. Uh, I, my field is kind of the psychology world, you know, I'm a counselor. And so I really feel like a strength of mine is to take the Bible and apply it to your life to help you think better, right? Well, that's good. And it certainly is that, but you can get lost in all of that stuff and you get your eyes off of Jesus and on to pop psychology and okay, all of that stuff is good for a little while, but a steady diet of that stuff gets us away from the bare facts of the gospel, which is what has the power to save. So we're going right back there today. And uh, I appreciate the movie. And uh, if you want to just pull this out, we'll just go ahead and get started. First off in this uh, circle over here, this is kind of called the three circles of discipleship. Um, I got to also give credit to Phil, who was at a live church last Sunday. He's the one that kind of showed this to us. And I said, permission to steal. And he said, it's already stolen. So I, uh, I'm going to adapt it to my own a little bit today. But this is the, the three circles that he showed us to kind of kick off our discipleship emphasis for the next few weeks. And so I'm going to go over what he has for us, which is really just the, the basic gospel message. And uh, I'm going to bring some other things into it as well. But over here on the top right, you have our world that we live in. With the crooked line going down through that world is to signify that we live in a broken world, right? And all of us have experienced that, haven't we? Uh, When my wife came in the door today, the first thing she said to me is, your zipper's down. (laughs) Okay, so you know know how how it works, right? When I came into church, the first thing Andy said to me, hey, you want something to keep your mind off of your sermon? You missed a belt loop in the back. (laughs) It just happens that way. So I've taken, as I stand up here, I've taken care of the part that you could see, but the belt loop that you can't see remains broken, right? And isn't this kind of what we do? We We try to polish up the outside, but our problem is on the inside. It's a spiritual problem, right, that we can't see And we try to cover up everything that people can see, make it look like we got everything going, but it's not, it doesn't cover everything. So we are, we live in a broken world and we are the ones, if you can see over to the left, God created everything great at the beginning, like the movie showed us, God's design was good. Our world was supposed to be good and was for a little while, um, and it was all because of his, this loving creator that did this for us. But on the arrow at the top, we, Adam and Eve, and all of us since have walked away from God in our sin. And we've caused the world to be broken. Okay, so we are guilty because of sin. But, you know, uh, Andy, you missed it. I just, I just draw, drew attention to you. 
So I had, I had to do it again. I was just talking about sin, and you walked in. <laughs> because of our sin, the world is broken. So we are guilty because of our sin, but that's all right. Jesus is a savior. Jesus can forgive sin. That's cool. He can do that for us. The problem is, is that the sin, the guilt of our sin leads to something a little bit worse. We on the inside are sick. We're sick on the inside. That's where the pop psychology can help a little bit, but we got to focus all of that on what Jesus did. And that's, we'll get that to that in a minute. But because we are sick... Here's what we do. We try to get out of the broken world and out of the sickness, and we choose everything to do that, and we find it wanting. And it brings us right back to the sickness and the broken world. What are some of the things that we try? We've got some nieces here today. One of the things we try is boys, right? And let's just outright straightway say it. Boys, who needs them, right? How oh, I tell you. We try, amen, right? She's saying amen. Preach. <laughs> we try everything. We try sex. We try drugs. We try alcohol. We shop. We travel. Everything to soothe the sickness and try to make us well again. Because everything about our spirit is sensing something's wrong. There's a sickness here. And so definitely the scriptures can help us with all of these things, but the scripture keeps pointing back to Jesus, back to Jesus, back to Jesus. I just wish the church would do the same. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We don't do it enough. And the pure basic facts of that gospel. Okay, so God has recognized that we got us into our own sickness. And so coming down to the bottom circle there... We have Jesus. The down arrow, life, means that God came from heaven down to earth. That was the first step. You see the book there, the Bible, when God was down on earth, he taught us. He taught us how to live. He taught us how to make it in this broken world and how you can survive it and survive it for eternity. Amongst the brokenness, he came down. And you know the rest of that story. We all pretty much know that one. The way that he helped us through that was his death on the cross. And if that, that's not the end of the story, his death, he raised back to life. He conquered the serpent. And so we know that he is victorious. But because of all of that, Jesus has kingship. Now, this is the one that I wish that the church would focus on more. Because this is what, this is the one we're missing. And the Bible tries to make a big deal about this. He is our king. And so that means we have to do what he says. And so the Bible makes a big deal. It takes the vowels of the word Adonai, which means Lord. And it takes the consonants of the word Jehovah, Yehovah. And it mashes them together, Lord, God, and comes up with Yahweh, which is the Lord, our God, the Lord. He's Lord of our life. He is the king. And so you and I, hopefully, are members of his kingdom. 
which takes us out spiritually from the broken world, although we still live in it physically. All right, so we probably better look at some scriptures, eh? <laughs> Let's go to Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. This is chapter 1, verse 14. And proclaimed the good news of God, which we just kind of talked about here. Okay, now the Bible isn't going to say right now that this is the only thing Jesus said. But the Bible's trying to tell us here, Mark's trying to tell us here that everything that Jesus said, if you condensed and boiled it all down, it's this. The time has come. There's an event. When you flip over to Luke, I don't have it up there, but Luke tells us this is when Herod was king of Judea. This is when Herod the tet- was tetrarch or something and somebody was over Idrumenia. They're telling us historical things to say this is a, an event. And Luke says, during that time in history, John come out there. And he was baptizing in the Jordan River for the forgiveness of sins in the whole countryside. Even Jerusalem came out, confessed their sins, and they were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus carries this on because John said, the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus said, it's now, it's come, it's fulfilled. Those are some pretty big words. A new guy on the scene, and he just says, the time has come, it's here. The kingdom of God has come near, and he gives us some instructions now. You need to repent, and you need to believe the good news. Everybody has got a little bit of a corkscrew with the word repent. You've probably heard me say this one. It simply just means to change your mind. Jesus is trying to tell us here, it's now. It's now. Everything the prophets talked about, everything you've been waiting for, it's now. It's fulfilled. The kingdom of which I'm the king is here. If you're going to be a subject or a citizen of that new kingdom, you have to change the way you think. And that new thinking, because we're in a different, we're citizens of a different kingdom now, is also going to cause a behavior change. So out to the right of the bottom circle, we have repent, believe, and those things by, by uh, extension talk about trust and allegiance, faith. We're going to put our trust in him, and we're going to be allegiant to him. He is now our king, and we need to be loyal subjects of the king. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Believe the good news. Ow, that's good news. All right, the very next verses. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Repent, believe, and also come follow me, Jesus said. And I'm going to send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. The next verses. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, of, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Talked about this a little bit last week. These are guys that had been around John the Baptist for a year, and they'd been around Jesus for six months and heard him and saw the miracles. So it wasn't just a total stranger walking up to the boat. Jesus is saying, here we go. The event has happened, the kingdom is here, and I need you guys to go out 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men instead of fishers of fish now. All right, so in all of that, we come, we follow, baptized. The Holy Spirit then helps us try to get back to the world or to the goodness of God. We're part of his, the goodness of, and the perfection of his kingdom now. And then you see the big arrow in the middle, we are sent. We are sent. So just as Jesus left, the comforts of heaven was sent to earth, the broken world, to rescue us out of it. Now we are on the mission for him as well. All right. So the whole point of this is to say, you and I are pretty familiar with the story. The problem is the sent part. The Bible knows nothing of a believer in Christ who is not sent. What's that do to you? He's our king. We're subjects of his kingdom. And that citizen is a sent citizen. And if we are not living out that, are we his? I can remember Phil saying that. Lord, there's going to be people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we work miracles? But he says, away from me because I never knew you. We are sent. And so, following him means we lose our life, we gain our soul, and we go out and fish for men. So, a disciple of Jesus or a subject of his kingdom is one who has become his disciple because of what he's done for us, and he goes out to try to make more disciples. That is what we're missing, right? Let's go on now. Let's go to the next verses in Mark. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. This is kind of interesting because of what he says in that area. Caesarea, you can see the word Caesar there. Jesus is contrasting himself with Caesar, who was the king of the earth and also was labeled divine. Everybody knows who Caesar is, but he asks, who do people say I am? And the disciples, this is out around, this is, by the way, they've gone to Caesarea Philippi to get away from all of the crowds. (laughs) We'll get to that in a second. Who do people say I am? They replied, some people say you're John the Baptist resurrected. Others say Elijah and all those great prophets. But what do you say? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anybody about him. That's kind of funny. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. He said, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he called to the crowd, to him, along with the disciples, and said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Follow me, lose your life, gain your soul, and fish for men. Follow me, lose your life, gain your soul, and fish for men. Okay, so now all of these things kind of go into the book that's in the bottom circle. While he was here, he taught us how to live in his kingdom. And everything he taught us was designed to help us. But everything he taught us was also there for you and I then to teach others so that we fulfill the great commission to send, go, make disciples, Teach them everything I've taught you and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I am going to be with you through all of that. So go. He sends us. And we got to teach them and baptize them. All right. So the book part comes in the Sermon of the Mount. I'm not going to even put any of it up there. But the Sermon of the Mount tells us how to live. It's completely different than the world. Like this, if your enemies hate you, I want you to bless them in return. We can't be like the world anymore. When you make oaths, I don't even want you to make them. I just want your yes to be yes, your no to be no, and get rid of the drama in your life, amen? No drama. It doesn't reflect well on you. Doesn't look good on Facebook either. (laughs) We're new people now. In a new kingdom, with a new king, we have to repent and think differently. And that thinking differently leads to new actions as well. So he sends them out eventually, two by two, and he says, hey, they hated me, they're going to hate you. When you go out, I don't want you to take anything because God's going to provide. Well, there you go. The Sermon on the Mount says, in this new kingdom, you don't even have to worry. I got you. I'm with you. I'll provide everything that you need. I'll even provide the words that you need when you go before the councils and you're judged and persecuted. Or if you're sent and sharing your faith with somebody else, I'll give you the words. You just need to muster up the courage to be a good citizen of my my kingdom. I'll tell you what to do, and it's going to necessitate your courage, but don't worry. When I see your steps of courage and your steps of faith, I got you. I'll protect you, provide for you, and give you the words. You now are on an adventure. This new kingdom is an adventure. It's going to go up and down and up and down and up and down, but there's no other way to live. And when it's all said and done, if you've remained faithful, I'll welcome you into my eternal kingdom. I I didn't say that right. When you become a citizen of his kingdom, you're already part of his eternal kingdom. So we got a lot of teaching to do. There's so many things in the Sermon of the Mount where he contrasts. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. That's certainly not a good thing to do. We need to be faithful to our spouse, right? But I'm gonna tell you, friend, don't even look at anybody else in the wrong way. You've heard it said, do not commit murder. Obviously, society's in chaos if we got a bunch of that going. Look at the big cities in our country. Somebody got to get in there and do something, right? But I'm gonna tell you, I wanna talk to you about your anger and your heart. Because that's where murder starts. You've got to get rid of the anger. 
you got to start thinking differently. you got to forgive. I'll tell you what, don't you judge. Because when you judge, that same measure is going to be used on you. Don't judge. You go out and love. There's good accountability in all of this. Because we have a new king and we live in a new kingdom. But as subjects of that king, we are sent back into the broken world, back into all of the citizens of this world who are not only guilty of sin, but are also sick and they need our help. They need our help. So in all of this, Jesus has a mission for us. Do you dig? (laughs) He gave us the example Straightway, clear as a bell, he came down into our broken world, gave up his life. He was sent to make disciples. He prayed on one of his last nights with all the disciples. I've completed the work. The event's done, God. I've completed the work. All of the ones that you gave me, are still here except for Judas, the one who was doomed. And now, be with them, God. My prayer is for them and all those that will hear what they have to say. And so he entrusted his work, as he went back up to heaven, to them to carry it out. Now, he came back, the Holy Spirit to guide and to help teach them and give them the words. But the same is true for you and I. We are his disciples now. If we could all grab a hold of this, think what would happen. If we were all fully living this out with the courage, think what would happen. Churches get away from it, and then we gravitate to people who are like us, similar to us, and then we just get in our little ruts. That makes us not ready for guilty and sick people who are struggling with something that we probably don't, who look like we don't look, and we are not ready when they come in trying to find something for their sickness, okay? That's bad enough, but the problem is we're waiting for them to come to us. We are sent people. We are sent people. People, follow him, lose your life, gain your soul, and fish for men. All right, now, the promise is there. The promise is there that whatever you give up for his kingdom, whether it's mothers, fathers, mother-in-laws, that's an easy one, right? Whatever you give up, I will not fail to give back to you 10, 60, 80, and 100 fold more than whatever you've given up. The promise of provision is there. No need to worry. Everything has been set up for us. So you get all of the good news of your life being redeemed from the sin and the sickness. And now they're just saying one thing remains we are sent. We are sent. So follow, and he'll make you fishers of men. In all of that adventure, 
You lose your life, but you gain your soul. I've got the next verse up there. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for the soul, your, their soul? If anyone was ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. What he's saying there is, there's people alive right here in the presence of my words that are still going to be alive in some 37 years when Jerusalem is utterly destroyed and flattened. That's God coming in power. Jerusalem was utterly destroyed and flattened because Jesus came to them and they didn't even recognize the time of their coming. Didn't even recognize it. Sick people. Spiritually sick people that didn't recognize God. Rejected. I'm glad you haven't rejected. However, I think all of us have dug our heels in a little bit and maybe not rejected, but have provided some resistance to this idea. You are sent. What are we doing about that? What are we doing about that? As a church, that's a good question. But for right now, it's for you and your heart. What are you doing about being sent? Dramatic effect. (laughs) The Bible doesn't know an unsent Christian. It just doesn't know. And that unsent Christian might be the one that says, Lord, Lord, but are we his? The kingdom citizen is a sent citizen. If we're not walking out the send part, are we part of the kingdom? The Bible doesn't know that person. The Bible attributes this lukewarmness to that person. And God says, you're lukewarm. I I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. If you were hot or cold, I could do something about it. But you're just right here. I can't do anything. I want to spit you out of my mouth. Lord, Lord, didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? I never knew you. I didn't know you because as a disciple, you're supposed to go. As a disciple, you're sent. I know you all got people that you want to rescue. Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's a daughter. People that are away from God. And, it, and it, you can feel the ache in your bones. So the desire on the inside is there to be sent. What gets in the way? What gets in the way? Probably all those things, all, all of that salve that we try to put on, that sickness. But it just brings us right back to the broken world. Those things entangle The deceitfulness of wealth entangles. Our comfort entangles. Try to assess yourself and see what is it that's getting in the way of me being sent. And let's cut it off. Let's get rid of it. Let's go on the adventure of being sent and being a true disciple 
in this new kingdom. He's done so much for us. Let's now give back to him and so we can be called good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the simplicity of the marriage. Thank you so much for your son who made the message and redemption possible. God, let us now crown him king of kings and lord of lords and help us, God, motivate us, move us to act like that the best that we can. God, we're so much, we're so grateful for the grace that you've given us in our shortcomings where we fall short in all of this. God, let us use that grace to work even harder as Paul did, to work even harder. In your name we pray, amen.